I keep running into pastors and church leaders who I know in their heart desperately want to see disciples made and multiplied. And so I, it's like, what is going on? Why is it so difficult for traditional churches to make disciples? It seems like the problem isn't the desire to make disciples. There's something, there's something else that makes it really hard uh, for those traditional churches to, to focus on this issue. Hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you'll hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission, community, and discipleship. So today's episode was taken from one of our coaching intensives called Life on Life Discipleship, where we provide you with personal coaching and equipping on your journey to taking on apprentices to multiply disciples. So to learn more about this coaching intensive, visit 1kh.org slash discipleship. And if you're interested in learning more about a thousand houses in general and want to check out some of our other resources, head on over to 1kh.org. Let's jump into today's episode. There is a broad consensus among so many churches that believe in the Bible that making disciples is the mission that we need to be on. In fact, I've served at over eight churches on staff, and I can't think of one exception to this question I would ask at some point, or we would have a discussion about what's the mission. In every case, it was, we're here to make disciples. And that was so often said, so often articulated, so often understood in its basic ideal. Um, But if you asked most people two very simple questions, Christians today, number one, who has discipled you? And number two, who are you discipling? Two very simple questions. Everyone can answer it within seconds. Who discipled you? What's their name? Who are you discipling? What's their name? Uh, You will be shocked if you believe that the mission is to make disciples, how many people can't answer either of those two questions? Some can answer one but not the other. It's so common. And so something has gone terribly wrong. It's, there's this strange disconnect. And oftentimes we kind of ignore it or we don't really look at it very carefully. Like, what exactly is going on here? Why is it that it's so often articulated that, yeah, that's the mission. We're here to make disciples who make disciples. But we, we don't, we're not doing it. Uh, many, many of us have never been discipled. And if we are, we're not discipling others. It stops in one generation. So I want to talk about the problem because it's really important that before we get into the how and a lot of the things we're going to be uh, recommending that you guys do in in this course, we really need to face the obstacles to disciple making head on because likely there's something hidden under the surface that really makes this challenging for so many people. And if we ignore that and just move forward with our blueprint, then we might bump into those problems that are hidden and that have been so often tripping up those people with really good intentions. Because so often I'll meet people with the best of intentions who desperately want to make disciples and just find that it just constantly falls apart. Uh, Their efforts just do not produce that kind of fruit. And so I want to talk to you guys about the obstacle to to disciple making in, in three different parts. Number one, why do churches fail to make disciples? Number two, what is it about modern culture that makes discipleship so challenging? And number three, why do committed Christians who want to obey Jesus not make disciples? So I want to talk about uh, those three because I think that there are a little bit different answers to each one. So we're going to start with why traditional churches fail to make disciples. 
Now, a friend of mine is a part of a parachurch ministry, and his job is to go from church to church, oftentimes multiple churches in a week, and meet with leaders and talk to them about uh, his ministry. And he, he told me that he oftentimes, uh, in the course of the conversation, he tries to work in a very, very basic question to the, the leaders of the ministry. He, he asked them, um, how is disciple-making going in your church? And he said, Jeremy, you would not believe the number of times people do not, they, have, they will almost always say, not good. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to do it. It's not working. Something like that. And again, this is something that constantly happens. Uh, George Barna, who is famous for doing lots of research around the church, um, his latest survey about discipleship, uh, he said in a recent survey that less than 1% of Christian leaders believe that, quote, in this, this statement, today's church is doing well at discipling. Less than 1%. This is such a weird problem, and I've spent years trying to understand it because, again, I, I keep running into pastors and church leaders who I know in their heart desperately want to see disciples made and multiplied. And so I, it's like, what is going on? Why is it so difficult for traditional churches to make disciples? It seems like the problem isn't the desire to make disciples. There's something, there's something else that makes it really hard uh, for those traditional churches to, to focus on this issue. And I'll tell you uh, my, my thesis on this and just have you kind of work through this. Again, I really want us to be on the same page when it comes to these obstacles so that we're not constantly bumping into these as we really move forward in our efforts to make disciples. So what I believe uh, is the problem in a church with leaders who desperately want to make disciples, uh, why it oftentimes doesn't happen in those churches is what I like to call the institutional survival problem. So I'm going to describe this to you guys and try to help you just kind of break down this problem and help you really understand it. So imagine being a church leader who desperately wants to make disciples through the traditional church. What's the first thing you're going to do uh, as that new church leader? If you're going to plant a new church or take over a church, well, the first thing you're not going to do is start to make disciples. Oftentimes, that's not the first thing you're going to do. Why? Because again, remember the premise. They want a traditional church to make disciples. So the first thing they have to do is bring into existence a traditional church. How do you do that? Well, you have to do that, first of all, by starting a worship service, right? I mean, you, you're not a traditional church in today's culture if you don't have a worship service. That is a tremendously expensive uh, thing to create. It, and it creates lots and lots of things that you have to do. Of course, the worship, the, the teaching, uh, the location, the building, parking, everything from the nursery all the way up to the different kids' classes, all the things that a, that a traditional church just needs to do to pull off a worship service on a weekly basis. So you, you have to get all those things done. Okay, so that has to happen first. You have to make sure the church exists in order to make disciples through a traditional church. So you've done that. You've got your traditional church. Now, the next problem you're going to face as a church leader is the problem that, that, that is called sort of the, the backdoor problem that, that traditional churches have. The backdoor problem is that some of your most committed uh, people that start to come to your worship service, they are going to only stay if they make meaningful relationships with peers. How do you facilitate that? Uh, they don't want to just, because part of the issue is worship services are fairly depersonal, and then you might have multiple worship services even in a given Sunday morning uh, or a given weekend. And so how do you cause people to build relationships when they're going to different services, they're not seeing the same people every week, they're not even interacting? Well, you have to start a small group ministry. You have to, to, to facilitate uh, that, that peer relationship, to close the back door. Um, and so to, in order to close the back door, you start small groups, and then, of course, you've got, now that you've got a worship service in small groups, you need people to serve 
uh, both in, in the worship service environment and in the small group environment. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, if you were to uh, look at a, a church of a thousand people, how many weekly commitments to the church does the average person in a thousand person church, what are they able to do? What's their bandwidth? How many times a week can they serve the church or be a part of a church ministry? So I'll tell you guys what the basic breakdown is. And this is, this is a typical healthy traditional church. So in a typical healthy traditional church, if you have a thousand people going to the church, about 500 of those people will only go to the worship service. About 50% will only be attending the worship service, oftentimes only twice a month. Okay, so that, that's 50%. Now you're down to 500 people that are going to continue to do other things with the church. Of those 500 people, about 300 of those people will come to go to the worship service and go to a small group. So now you've got 300 people. That's 800 people of the 1,000 we've, we've kind of covered for. But that's, that's their limit. That's the bandwidth. That's what, what, what they will give to the church. I'll come to the small group, and I will come to the worship service. So now we have 200 left. Of the 200 left, maybe about 150 of those will give you a third rhythm every single week. They'll come to the worship service, they'll go to a small group, and they'll serve in a ministry. They'll either lead a small group and go to leaders' meetings, or they'll serve at the worship service and go to multiple services, including trainings and, and other and pre- preparation for their ministry. But that's about 150 of the people. So now we've really, comp- we've really looked at about 95% of the people in that church. There's 50 people left that have the capacity to do a fourth rhythm. And that's pretty healthy. That's pretty unusual. And so you could say, of those people that are left, you guys need to make disciples. But now you've already taken 95% of your church, and they've already maxed out the number of rhythms that they're willing to give to the, their sort of spiritual life with, with your church. This is why it's so difficult. It's the institutional survival problem. Because you might say, well, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, we should just put discipleship at the top. But again, remember, if, if the church does not have a worship service, if they do not get people connected in small groups, and if they do not have people serving the small groups in the worship service, they will not survive. You have to deal with that survival problem first. But once you deal with that survival problem, your people have so little bandwidth left for other things. And there could be a lot of things in that last bucket, men's ministries, women's ministries, all every other kind of, uh, you know, recovery groups, everything else that you can imagine a church may want to, to pull off has to exist for the people that might be able to give that fourth rhythm every single week in order for them to do it. And so discipleship gets slotted in there amongst all the things that are competing for that very small number of people that are willing to give that many rhythms a week over to their local church. This is a serious problem. And so the institutional survival problem has, has, really, um, has really stifled the, the otherwise really uh, the, the disciple-making efforts or the, the, the intentions of so many church leaders who have said, we want to make disciples. But of course, again, they have to make sure these other ministries are happening. They're happening in a consistent, excellent way, and they're well-staffed. And this has made that problem very serious. So that's the first problem that we can talk about. Um, why, is, why is it so difficult for traditional churches to make disciples? The second problem is, what about, mod- what, what about modern culture makes discipleship challenging? Now, there is, there is something kind of odd about the way that we do education in the modern world that makes discipleship a, a really challenging experience. And that is, traditionally in the past, cultures tended to do education primarily through an apprenticeship model. That meant that if you wanted to learn from somebody else, carpentry, you wanted to learn business, 
you wanted to learn a trade, you wanted to learn how to become a better mom or a better dad or a teacher, you would spend time uh, being assigned for 6, 12, 24 months uh, with somebody who you would just serve them, be a part of their life, really experience all the things that are related to that trade, and they would, uh, they would teach you everything that they would know. In exchange, you would serve them uh, and help them with their business, you know, with their efforts. And so this kind of give and take was known and was very comfortable for people for thousands of years as a way for us to be building up the next generation. And of course, this is very similar to the way that Jesus made his disciples. Um, there's a book by Robert Coleman called The Master Plan of Evangelism, which is really an exhaustive and a beautifully written book about how exactly Jesus made disciples. I would encourage everyone to read this book. It is so helpful and has so many amazing insights in it. He goes through everything the Gospels say, say and everything that says in the New Testament about exactly how Jesus did this. The problem with Coleman's book, uh, and he talks about this, is that the method that Jesus used does not really exist today in sort of the modern world. People are not used to this. We have an industrial um, method of education. We don't think about education as primarily happening through apprenticeships. We see education primarily happening through institutions. And so we create these industrial centers, right? Schools, colleges, universities, trade schools, and people go to those places. They spend a lot of money to go to those places. And then they are, they are educated in large groups. They have very little personal relationship with their instructor. They have little, very little personal relationship with the actual uh, working out of the trade with customers. There are, of course, models that are exceptions to this, but most of our educational system is designed to be done in sort of sterile industrial environments where we teach the abstract ideas of whatever we are going into as opposed to giving people very, very hands-on knowledge with, a, with, with, in a, with somebody who's apprenticing them, uh, with sort of a master builder or somebody who's been in the trades for a long time that is passing that information on. Now imagine today if you just said, well, that's crazy. Let's just do this now. Let's just go back to the way we used to do it. Let's just, even if the culture wants to move forward with this way of doing education, let's just, in the church, let's just do apprenticeships. Um, that's really hard because none of us are familiar with it. And imagine what would happen if tomorrow you saw somebody walking around with six people following them as they're walking and trying to uh, minister to people, and they're just exclusively, you know, taking notes, participating, you know, uh, supporting that by giving money and resources and serving that person. If we saw this kind of thing today, what Jesus did was very normal for, for first century rabbis to do. If we saw this today, we would all be alarmed and say, what in the world's going on there? That looks cultish. That looks weird. And of course, who wants to be that and who's got the bandwidth for that to be able to like both apprentice people in that manner and to be apprenticing underneath somebody? It is so strange to us to imagine that happening. So that is the problem with the way that our modern culture is, is designed in terms of education. It's not designed around the apprenticeship model. And this makes discipleship in any kind of biblical sense that is following Jesus's pattern of disciple making exceptionally difficult. And so we have to then work through this problem, and we can work through this problem, but this has become a very serious obstacle for disciple-making today. The third thing that we need to talk about is why wouldn't a committed Christian make disciples? Now, let's imagine somebody who isn't trying to plant a church or, or lead a traditional church, who isn't weirded out by the apprenticeship model um, that, that happened in, in ancient cultures and is willing to do that today. Why won't that, those believers make disciples? 
And if you see somebody or meet somebody who's like, I really want to do this. I'm excited. I, I don't, you know, I, I will give the time it takes. I want to make this happen. I would say the, the, the number one reason why that person is not making disciples is they simply don't know how. Because they weren't brought up in a way to do this. They don't actually have a strategy, a blueprint, and a way to actually live it out. And so they are just stuck. And so that's who hopefully we're talking to right now. If you're a part of this course, I assume it's because you're one of those kinds of people. You are willing to do whatever it takes to make disciples. You just don't know how. And so that is a problem we need to work through. And it, and it really does, uh, it is something that we can, an obstacle we can't overcome. But let's be aware of these three major obstacles. We have the ins institutional survival problem. We have the apprenticeship problem and the how problem. Those, I believe, are the three major obstacles to disciple making among those who already want to make disciples. They will bump into one of these three problems, if not all three of these problems. And so we want to work through what this means. But I want you guys to take a minute, think through these three problems, the institutional survival problem, the apprenticeship problem, and the how problem. Do you resonate with any of these? Are any of these uh, something that has caused you issues in the past? Um, are, are, do, do these kind of uh, bring up questions for you or thoughts for you or ideas for you. I'd love for you to take some time to journal about those things. I'd love to talk to you about those, uh, those kinds of elements in the coaching because we need to really understand and study the problems so that we don't repeat the kinds of things that these problems create into the future. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a deep desire to actually make disciples in your context, but you simply don't know how, we'd love to invite you to apply for our coaching intensive called Life on Life Discipleship, where you're going to work through online content and receive personal coaching on this journey to making disciples that multiply. So for more information and to apply for this coaching, head over to 1kh.org slash discipleship. We'll see you for the next episode.